0: All right, you want to do a show? Let us do a show. Now, which, can I can I fast forward through here? Because I, I saw. Oh well, first of all, tell me how long the song is. Uh, it's it's three minutes, but we've never obviously let it get past like. I feel like you've let it play like two. At least two. Yeah, but we're gonna have to hurry up and do this. I'm doing this on my phone, and I know for a fact my wife, who has never, we're 102 episodes in and has never listened to the show, even on accident or in the background while I've been at, uh, fixing it. Um, but I'm afraid she might call and, and mess us up But anyway, welcome to we- Hollywood Anonymous I'm Brian Irwin And I'm John Huck oh, I- if,
1: if your wife called now, would she be on the show?
0: Yes, I'm not going to She'll be pissed <laughs> off I'm... As a, Going ambush, back to a previous episode Ambush marriage, interviews. Is, marriage is a difficult journey That you should be glad you have But you should, you know, avoid uh, manufacturing conflict Causing, Yeah, making conflict on your own So I, I, we've never gone past right here So let's go a little bit further and see what's on there. Let's see. We it was where was
1: th- I felt like there was a band playing. It sounds like there's Spike Just sounds like a Spike Jones Christmas album.
0: No. Like, where, where Alright, I, I A lot of dancing. Doesn't it sound like they had so much fun back then
1: though? Yeah, they did. I mean, they, they, they were they doing did. the
0: Charleston, the sock hop or whatever. Whatever it was. I mean, they were all racist, but they had such a good time. They were that all was <laughs> such fun racists. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect time, I guess, whatever. By the way, <laughs> um, I don't, we talked about this earlier. So when I set up the podcast stuff today, I pulled out uh, the cable from my microphone and then I plugged in my computer. And when then I went to go grab my microphone and I had just set the two together, somehow or another, my microphone cable. And the uh electrical cord for my computer were fucking tied together and i wi- and I, hadn't I witnessed done it anything. I
1: witnessed it, and I'm here to tell you like it was very it was a very dad like scene, meaning like my dad used to when the phone cord would get tangled up and everything my dad would kind of freak out and get it all and twist and try to untwist it and everything but I think. We've you're you're an evolved human being, and you didn't freak out. You didn't throw anything. You didn't whip your
0: computer. No, like I was just I was more kind of like for a moment. Probably would have freaked out normally, but for whatever reason, <laughs> in that moment, I was in awe. How did that even happen?
1: Because it was literally a two second. And thing. I
0: think I said to you like how I why 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 am I not performing at the Magic Castle? Right. As, as the, as what the, did you call it? As the amazing Tangolini. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> it sounds like a weird pasta, <laughs> but. <laughs> but i think dude i think i was just uh, a friend of mine recently lost her grandmother and uh oh, okay i uh to bring the show down well a i screeching halt well I, anyway. I think this is actually good for this episode i think but uh, okay. i when you were like how did this happen how could this even happen and i just think like i always think like we we cultivate our energy while we're here you know what i mean like we are like kind of we're not really our bodies we're not really our minds we're this kind of energy and at the end, when we're done with our bodies and our energy is absorbed or taken back into the universe, right? Yeah. And uh, the kind of energy you, you whether you know it or not, that you cultivate, it's either positive or negative energy. If you make a positive choice to do positive things, I think your energy becomes a more positive energy. And I think, likewise, if you're a negative person, negative, like if you take almost every politician right now, you know, probably very negative energy. But once the energy goes into the atmosphere or back into the universe, I should say, it's then like <clears throat> still around. Right. So I think when stuff like that happens, that's just like weird negative energy that got in somehow and is like, I'm gonna fuck with this. But like not poltergeist style, but just like uh almost cause cause and effect, but I don't know. I don't know. That's I always think like when really when like If that was easily untangled, they'd be like, oh, that's, you know, that was just positive energy
0: fighting the negative energy. So if you want to talk about weird stuff, I don't think I've ever shared this on the show, but I might as well because it reminds me of, like, when you're talking about the world and, like, all the weirdness of it. So when I moved out here, I lived in Silver Lake, which is on the east side of, uh, of, of Los Angeles. And then... I moved from the east side to the west side, and I lived in Culver City. And I moved, I lived with a, for wow. two years, I lived with a comedian by the name of Tom Clark. Yeah. Tom is very funny. Both of us, obviously, from Wisconsin. Did um, you know each other before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we uh, we had made a plan. I had moved out first, and then when he moved out, he's like, hey, you want to move in together? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. So we found a place to live. Um, just two cookie comedians just living in Los Angeles <laughs> I trying smell to a find sitcom. their way. It's called, who left that uh, shopping cart in front of the front door again? <laughs> Um, which is a phenomenon on the west coast that you don 't see back in the Midwest is that people just take fucking shopping carts Remember we wrote it everywhere. in to, we wrote it in to get there it's, it's It was a like a pile of it just
1: got more and more <laughs>
0: i 'll never understand that it 's a Southern California phenomenon uh, shopping cart they dogs. grow here there 's literally a whole uh, a career people have of going and finding them it 's like it 's like they're bubbles shopping.
1: on it 's like bubbles on trailer park Shop, boys yeah
0: shopping cart detective.
1: So, um, dude, that's a good law and order. <laughs> the shopping cart unit. Kung,
0: kung. Um, so anyway, we lived in Culver City, and eventually, I met my uh, my eventual wife, and I moved out of uh, from Tom and I moved to Santa Monica. And uh, the gentleman that replaced me, his name was Rob Breckenridge, and Rob moved in with uh, Tom. And I remember having to go back to my old apartment where I used to live with Tom. And where I, I, when I moved out, I took, I had the TV. That was one of the few things I got from my previous marriage. The only TV in, TV in the apartment. Yeah, I had, oh. a, I had a 32 inch uh, tube television <laughs> that was like very Wait, you 200 know, pounds, 2,000 pounds, <laughs> you know, the, the weight of an elephant. Yeah, I took that out in my CDs and um, oh, your CDs, you got to get gotta your CDs. CDs. <laughs> that's what I. These will never be replaced. That's what I got out of my marriage was a 32 inch television Amen. and and my CDs. I'm gonna keep a pair so, of shoes if mine ends. So, um. I, I went back to, I had left something there. And, and where my TV was, there was one of those big, Rob had, uh, the guy that re- replaced me at the house or the apartment, he had replaced it with like one of those big wooden Zenith console TVs, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Right? So it was there. And I only remember that because I was just like, we're not heading in this direction anymore. <laughs> we're, we're, Why do you have this? Why would you even bring this into the house? Like, this is so almost over. You're going like to have to put a flat screen on top of this. And, yes. And how the fuck did you get this thing in here? Those things were like beasts, right? Yeah. I mean, we lived on the third floor or something like that. <laughs> so I, I, never, I never forgot that, right? So uh, uh, many years go by. My wife and I move one more time, move to Santa Monica, and then we get married. We move to Silver Lake, and we live in an apartment. And then eventually we get lost one day looking for a home to buy, and it's in where I live now, which is... Oh, in, wow glass help. you live in a lot of places man so we decide we're gonna buy this house where we live now where we've used to the podcast right and uh one of the last times we went to the house to um uh, close on it we met the owner it was an old lady and uh she was talking to us and said oh well what do you you know do what do you do for living at that time i was like well i'm a stand-up comedian she goes oh that's really interesting um the guy two doors down his name is jonathan Themius. he is also a stand-up and i said well i don't know who he is but you know um, you know, when we move in, uh, you know, stand ups, we'll, I'll get to, I'll meet him or whatever. So eventually I, forget, I remember that we moved into the house and I met Jonathan and we got to talking one day. And Jonathan goes, You know, you probably know a friend of mine, uh, Rob Breckenridge is one of my best friends. I was like, Yeah, I know, I know Rob. I go, uh, um, Rob actually um, replaced me, oddly enough with tom clark uh at my apartment he goes he goes you want to hear something really funny he goes you know rob used to when he moved out of here he used to live with me in my house here in Glassell Park. park i was like really he goes yeah and the old lady that you bought the house from he goes uh, she was getting rid of an old zenith television <laughs> oh and he took <laughs> and it he took it and he took it and brought it with him when he moved into your old apartment and i'm like are you he took that from like off the street from an old lady no, no she gave it to him and i'm like Hold on a second. Are you telling me the house that I moved into used there was to a t- have, have a TV that eventually replaced me in an apartment in Culver City three years earlier? That's
1: fucking crazy. That's crazy.
0: Is that not... That's weird, right? Like, you're talking about all these things, that the universe, and all that really,
1: kind of stuff. But see, as big as Los Angeles is, as sprawling of a city as it is, it's this the size of a marble, man. Yeah. It's so small. That is... That's, I mean, that's super coincidental, (laughs) but it's fucking nuts. Do you know what I mean? Like
0: that I would move into the house three years later, where I saw a TV that.
1: You weren't even specifically looking for that area. No, we got lost.
0: Yeah, dude, that's. We got lost and found that house, and for some reason, we like we saw that house and we're like, I think that's the house. That's crazy, man.
1: Right? That's crazy. The Zenith TV drew you to the house. You touched the Zenith TV, and you were like, "What is this fucking thing?" And by touching it, it got in you. Something, yeah. And it was like one of those uh, forked sticks that finds water. Yeah. You were just driving, and your wife's like, "Why are you going here?" And you're like, uh, "We must drive here. I'm I mean, a robot."
0: And let's and and if you and if you you know to to put a button on it, I mean, it's a, I was destined to be the PTA president at Mount Washington Elementary School. That's what
1: it was. That was your calling.
0: <laughs> and I got a call right there, but this. In a weird way, is about stand-up comedy, and so meeting another comedian and talking, living with comedians and talking about comedians. This uh, this episode is uh, about comedians and troubled ones at at best. Which is before we get into talking about Greg Giraldo, which is I know what we want to talk about today because we have a, a a guest that is is writing a book about Greg, rest in peace. Um, I don't know if you saw this recently, but. Um, Tig's new episode season of of One Mississippi is coming out, and there's been this whole thing about. It seems like there's this rub now, oh, yeah, between Tig and oh, yeah. Louis C.K. and it's 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 becoming more and more public. You know, the more rum- people
1: the, need to speak up about the, it.
0: The, the, the rumors about um, it started with it started with this whole like, did he or did he not steal an idea from her, right? And then and then it started turning into the, it's rearing this ugly head about this whole sexual assault and why you know is this still here and why has he not confronted it and why won't he confront it and it's just it's getting a little bit weird and it'll be really interesting to see where all that stuff
1: she said in that article she said in that interview she's like I, his name is attached to it and it drives me crazy because people think he has something to do with the show and he doesn't yeah so she's he's, distancing herself she from it is, and there's
0: a reason why she's doing that and we know tig and tig is a very straightforward straight shooting very honest genuinely kind human being i don't know louis ck at all i've i've met him on a couple occasions but it's more like that comedian thing where it's just like hi hi How hi, you know, hi we we'll move on guys, don't yeah. know anything about the guy don't even know anybody who knows him that well i know that louis works with him on a limited basis on the zach galifianakis show you know a uh, basket oh yeah yeah but again not super tight doesn't hang out with him and that kind of stuff so i don't i i don't i don't know anything about it i'm very familiar with the rumor as you are and all that stuff that's coming out there and it's just it's um, you know, I know that doesn't really have to do with anything with comedy per se, but it's just it's that it's that troubled world of comedians. It's that unfortunate, dark, troubled it's like, world of comedians. It's like
1: finding out Bill Cosby is a is a drugs, women, and, right, and molest. And, and some it's people like, just don't
0: want to accept it,
1: and and that's too bad for those people. But man, uh, it's th- there's uh, there's just a weird. It's the whole thing. When someone protests too much, like when Bill Cosby loved, loved telling the black community how to behave, loved it, and they did not like it. There was a lot of people in that community that were like, you know what? Shut up. You're from Philadelphia, dude. Show some support. Like, help out a little bit. Like, what is your deal? And the and he, people who, he was like, you gotta pull your pants up and you can't wear your hat. I mean, he just sounds like a cranky, old, crazy person, right? right? It sounds like my dad. Right. And it's like, Not that my dad's a cranky old crazy, but just like an an older white guy is what he sounded like. You know what I mean? And then you find out that he is the dirtiest of dirty old men. Yeah. Like the dirtiest. And and I'm sorry, but if you're not buying it, there's something wrong with you because 50 women come forward and not one of them earns a dollar. And the notoriety isn't notoriety you want as a woman, but they've all have the same story.
0: Which and, and again, moving shifting this towards the Greg Geraldo thing because yeah, that's sorry, not, I'm not that, trying, right. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. This actually no. has something to do with it, which is which is interesting. Cuz I remember my dad, my dad was a huge Bill Cosby fan, and I remember when this all came so out, my was dad, I. my dad said to me, he said, so now that I know this, he goes, I feel bad that I enjoyed him all those years before I knew that. And I and I remember we talked about it and I was like, "Yeah, but here's the thing, dad." You know, back then you didn't know and you, you can't take back the time that you enjoyed someone. And, and also the fact is you're enjoying material, not directly the human being. And there and therein lies that when we're talking about ways we move towards Greg Giraldo or we're talking about Louis C.K., there is a difference between seeing somebody do stand up and or make a television show and you are enjoying that you there's there's other layers to these people in those two incidents is, is situations Louis C K still yet to, you know to be determined what it actually where where his stuff lies and I guess with Bill Cosby I guess technically I don't know where it stands with this stuff but we're not talking about the legality of it we're just talking about the stories that are out there but the point is that even like with Greg Giraldo and many people. Uh, um, in, in that thing, you, you enjoy them as a comedian, and then one day you're shocked when you find out, like, okay, they've had this whole other life. In his specific instance, um, he was regarded as a, as one of the, uh, the the best comedians of his time, and it turns out, you know, you find out the guy dies, and you're like, what do you mean he had a fucking drug problem? Like, sometimes you just find out about things after the fact that is separate from the material and separate from the things that brought you to them in the first place, and I, and, and you sometimes you have, kind of have to separate those two things. You can't feel guilty about liking someone because... And you found out something later. And again, I want to be very clear as we talk about this stuff. We're not accusing anybody or anything of anything. It's just the shit that's out there and how people react to it.
1: Yeah, I, I do think there's a difference of finding out someone uh, has a drinking problem or a pill problem or whatever. And then finding out they've molested women or, you know. But my point, my point is, do you, should you
0: feel guilty because you laughed at them? No, 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 or no, no,
1: no, 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 not at all. But I think what I was trying to get at is there's the, there is a certain point where you have to separate the artist from the art. You know right. what I mean? At a certain extent. But when that artist is continually doing like something that is harming other people, and I'm not saying drug addiction doesn't harm other people. I'm just saying that there's to, to me there's just a different like. If you told me that you've been taking Vicodin's every day f- and you had a problem, I would be like, okay, and I would help you deal with that problem. Right. If you were like, oh, by the way, I touch kids, I'd fucking knock you in the face. Just and be then I, And then I would fucking, you know what I mean, and then I would call the police immediately. I wouldn't. That wouldn't be something like, well, I have to separate Brian, the man, from what he's done. Like, no, right. you're a fucking dick and I don't like you anymore. True. That would be a pretty distinct quick if i if i said that and that's the thing yeah. i have never said that no First no time, right sorry clear. yeah yeah, but yeah my, yeah, my point
0: course. is <laughs> that my my point is that you know it's always that fine line of like when in, 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 in let's just in moving towards the greg giraldo thing you and i know for a fact that there are comedians that are not famous that we know and many people in the circuit know that they may either have a drug problem or uh, uh, that are alcoholics, and it's it's a fine line, and this just goes like across the board. Like, how do you deal with it, and do you do you have the right the, the place to step in, and, and and deal with it? And they're amazing comedians. They're when they're on stage and they're performing into all these strangers, they have no idea some of the things that we know, and it sucks because you're like, how do you deal with it? And it's those fine lines of trying to how to, well, right the ship, I guess.
1: Also like I think I think I I'd, I'd like to think we're done with the idea that comedians are generally like a happy group of people that just love being entertaining. <laughs> like we are we all understand that that there is something that like we want to tell these jokes, we want to be on stage, we want people to acknowledge us. We want to be looked at, but at the same time a lot of us are very antisocial and we're not good in regular conversation and we might not be. And I'm just throwing myself in there not as just as a way to like I I all comedians like I I have I have respect for anybody who gets up on stage and and tries to make strangers laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's not an easy thing to do by any means Um, when it goes well. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And when it doesn't, you you know, you want to step in front of a train. It's like there it's there's figuratively, not literally. Right. Figuratively. Sorry. But there are there are ups and downs that are that only other comedians would understand. It's a tough gig. It is. It is, and I, everybody has shit gigs when you do
0: that. And, 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 and you are, you're on. The,
1: and that well, like when you start, like then they point this out and crashing. Tj Miller says it, but um when you start it's like you're out with your friends you're doing you're having fun and you're just in town doing jokes but then when you get better at it all of a sudden you can do shows out of town and that's fun and maybe you can go with one friend like me when you went to milwaukee but like all the other people aren't coming with and then you're and then pretty soon you're headlining and you can't bring a feature and then you're just by yourself yeah and then you're out on the road by yourself in a hotel room and if you're not social and you're not looking to go out and meet other people or you know what I mean? Then, then what? Where? What do you do? You try to take in as much as you can of the culture of wherever you're at. That's always a nice idea, but a lot of times it's like I'm gonna drink in my hotel room. I'm gonna eat a pizza and I'm gonna go to bed. You know what I mean? It's like you don't. It becomes not the healthiest of lifestyles unless you, and you know, I've talked to comics who who lived that way and then fixed it and changed everything. And but they're like now I lay in bed sober, thinking, what am I doing? Like yeah. And you know what I mean? There's no, there's nothing to, like after you get off stage, like it, it can be a really Good buzz like you're You're moving you're Energized and everything So you go back to your Hotel room and then You're kind of just like Bouncing off the walls There's a huge rush and Then there's a huge <laughs> crash it's, Yes it's yeah it's the It's crack you're smoking Crack basically you're up There and you're like this Is awesome I want it to Last forever and then you Come off and it's gone and You're like well what do I Do now what do I do now What do I do now
0: I, th- I think What's underestimated <clears throat> this Whole thing is that mo- the uh, The majority of people in This world uh, have an Extremely huge fear of Public speaking mm-hmm. and so You're already taking this Small segment of public Speakers and making <laughs> Making it even smaller for people that are willing to take it one step further, which is not only do public speaking, but try to make, make a bunch you, of strangers laugh. laugh immediately
2: and and and, 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 and befriend a long time immediately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's like you're 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 kind of narrowing this down. And it is it, there is a rush. We joke about, you know, it's tapping the vein. It's it, it literally I'd, I've I've never done drugs outside of um i think i did i, th- I did x once and that was fucking horrible it's grandpa brian everybody and no, i'm just kidding yeah no, that's but, but you know what Whatever. i mean like i don't think every, i don't, quite honestly i don't think there's many drugs anybody needs to try there's some that are that probably open up your mind and then there's other ones that do nothing but destroy a fucking oh lab. absolutely
1: so like, that that's a hundred percent completely accurate.
0: So, um my, my point is that it there it, there is something about that rush that I don't think any of us can fully explain to someone who doesn't who's never been there, which is like you do this and you really do. You come off stage, you're like, stranger, 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 stranger and then the strangers are like, Goodbye and you're like, Boom. But but even if they want to hang out, then it's you're like, It's too hard to like want, then But they want you on. They want you to yes. go back to the high. Yeah. And you're like, I'm
1: trying to come down. I'm coming down. Yeah. And and also like you and know, what do you
0: fill that with? Sometimes, yeah, I mean
1: that. Then that's the thing: is is how do you uh, how do you deal with that? You know, and and whether it's you know, pornography, drugs, alcohol, TV, it's all kind of like not necessarily awesome for you. Maybe. And
0: something that I can't explain, you know, to the uh, the high level comedians, I wouldn't even begin to know what that's like for them because their high is multitude is multiplied by like fifty because they're performing. At a level where people are specifically there to see them because they it's a it's either a life changing experience for them to meet them it's yeah. it's I, I'll never forget reading the book about Steve Martin talking about like how it just steamrolled into this doing stadium tours dude the, he was doing and an and the, Alpine yeah, Valley like and everything
1: just, that's not intimate like that becomes a very you're doing comedy for a stadium like. I mean, I think it's great that these comedians have sold out Madison Square Garden and everything, but I don't think I would enjoy performing in a setting like that. It would just be insane to me. Well, it just like, why it, are there this many people?
0: Like, I, it makes it, in my mind, it it seems, and, and I think Steve Martin kind of talked about this, it makes it hard to find balance. Yeah? When you do that. You know what I mean? Like, Because, again, if you go see Pearl Jam, as an example, at that same stadium... You meet Eddie Vedder after the thing. It's okay if Eddie Vedder's not playing a guitar or singing. He's just chilling out because you're like, that's cool. I just and watched him, you kick ass for two hours. Yeah, yeah, and for him, it's like have a conversation. But for a lot of people with comedians, they're like, there they are. There's that goofy guy that was doing the goofy stuff. Or they, like, keep doing re- that. or they want to
1: they want to repeat your jokes to yeah. you.
0: And, and I, I just <laughs> yeah, like nobody's walking <laughs> up to Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Even for <pro. laughs>
1: <laughs> What? I bet we could get Eddie How about this one? to do it. <laughs> Don't
0: call me, daughter. What do you think of Eddie <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you think of this one? Like, Nothing, man. There was a really better the, man. Do, Another thing, man. Do you remember the show? Uh, it was a Judd Apatow show, like Undergrad or something like that on Fox with Seth oh, Rogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I forget what it's called. But th- yeah. They had an episode where I think Nat Faxon was on it, too. But they had an episode where. Undeclared. Was undeclared? undeclared. Yeah. I think you're something right. Like yeah, that. they were first year college kids yeah. or whatever. But they had an episode where Adam Sandler came to their college and performed. And then at the end, Adam Sandler and his friends were hanging out. And Seth Rogen's character gets all dorky and he hands him a guitar. And he's like, hey, play the Hanukkah song. And Sandler's like, I just played it on stage. Why would I play it here? Like, that's weird. <laughs> and then everyone kind of starts making fun of Seth Rogen. But it's like that kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, I, I like it when people have related to a bit and they tell you about the bit. You know what I mean? They're, they're like, or like, this is my wife. That pillow thing you said, this is legit. Right, right. Or like, yeah, my this is my brother-in-law. His name is Donnie. He's right. a fucking idiot. Like, I love that kind of stuff because I know that what I'm saying is 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 hitting home. You know, I know that that it's I'm not cutting edge. I'm not political. I'm not gonna fucking. I don't think I'm pushing boundaries. But I want to rela- I want to connect in a way that people so that the next time they hear their are fucking washer and dryer going, they're like, yeah, zippers, nickels, drill bits. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I like hearing that from people. So so that's enjoyable. But then there are some people that come up and then try to redo your material in front of you, and you're like, what do you? What are you doing? Like exactly, you wouldn't sing a song to Eddie Vedder. Like, why are you? You wouldn't. You're not gonna
0: walk up to Richard Pryor and do mudbone. Like, what are you doing? As they're like, oh really? <laughs> I actually would. And you're like, okay, well then you should stop going to things <laughs> but, uh, forever. Or you should stop getting backstage passes. Yeah. You should stop. Everything. But most
1: people, I mean, most people just want to say hi and that they appreciated it and that yeah. they had a good time. I mean, most people uh, don't necessarily. But you're right; they also don't necessarily want to hang out with you after the show. So.
0: So I'm a big fan of reading um, books. Hey, hey, look at this guy! Not not reading in general, just books about uh, comedians, bios, and fi- bi- yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of. <clears throat> I love documentaries and I love bios and and I love learning about the person yes. behind what they became. That that's 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 the thing that it's. For some people, they don't ever want to know. They just want to know. Like some people are like, "Yeah, Jim Gaffigan's hilarious. I don't really want to know anything else about Jim Gaffigan. I just want to hear his stuff and move on with my life." To where I'm like. No, I would love to know more about where he came from. But anybody you like. like, Yeah.
1: If you like somebody, you're curious as to what drove them. Like, fascinated by Lenny Bruce, fascinated by Richard Pryor, read books on them. You know what I mean? I just wanted to know where, and of course, very tragic. A lot of that is a very tragic life that leads into amazing comedy. Right. You know what I mean? I'm. I'm not saying every book and every comedian is like that because they're not. No, <clears throat> but but some of those. It, it's. I just find it interesting, like you said, when you respect and like someone and they've influenced who you are and why you're the way you are and why you love comedy. It's nice to know their roots, where they came from, who they are before. You just saw them on TV or on a stage, or listened to their tape one day, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think that that was kind of like with uh, um, uh, Greg Giraldo. That's kind of where like he was—he was on the way. I think he had just gotten done doing uh, Last Comic Standing, which uh, Jonathan Themius was mm-hmm. uh, I, on that season. And I remember uh, that was the one person that Jonathan had—he talked about had had connected with on the show because I think that year Jonathan I think made it to like. The top six. Yeah, so he that made was when you, were, you shot a bunch of stuff for him too. Yeah, right, I helped yeah. him. I, I helped him do a bunch of. Uh, I had my theory. Back then, was there's comedy, but Jonathan, they're they're keeping. They also want you on the show because you're the character. Yeah. Like, If you watch television, you see how they cut and so you know because you've done segment. You do segment producing, mm-hmm. and so he had told me that the segment producers had kind of glommed onto him, and I'm yeah, like, I'll tell you why. Yeah, yeah, You are the character. Okay, so if you look at all the people that are left. They have pinpointed them as certain types, yes. They stereotyped everybody. Yep, right. So I said, so play into the stereotypes. Let's let's go make a bunch of shit. Let's give them the material they need to fill the time, make their job easier for them, and you will stay longer. And that's exactly what we did, and it got them all. The, I didn't get him all the way to the top, but I got them pretty far. Yeah. So and he wouldn't deny but, that that information. I'm not making up something. No, here. no, no. But Geraldo was a judge that year. Was it was the <laughs> judge that year, and he really um, he really was like kind of that was kind of i think for for a lot of people because back then last comic standing was still a very popular show on television for a lot of people i think they were finally being really introduced to this guy that i think everybody was getting he's gonna he's gonna this is yeah. it he's gonna he's gonna this is what we're gonna blow I mean, him the, up and he's gonna the be roasts made him he's gonna be our, he's gonna be <clears throat> the voice we're gonna take him to the next level right that, i think that's where this was headed was like let's this guy's gonna be that voice we're gonna see in everything when we need somebody to say something and, and then
1: i agree there was a there's there was something about him like he I, I i've always heard that he was super nice to comics who were coming up and because he had already basically made it he was a national headliner like if in the world of comedy you know he'd had like a bunch of uh, pilots that didn't take but like people were still interested you know he, he was on tough crowd with colin quinn he was amazing on that show like put dennis leary in his place a couple times like Geraldo, like when I started seeing him on Tough Crowd and then those roasts, he did the roast and that was, he, he was really good at that. Like, and I don't mean that, like, <clears throat> there, are, there are some really good roasts. And to me, those roasts are when everybody knows each other and they're all friends. Like the James Franco roast was great because those were all guys who were actually friends with James Franco. Right. And they came up there and they all knew each other. And that was funny. But when it's somebody like Chevy Chase who nobody knows or nobody cares about or nobody even likes and they're just doing it for a rating. It tends to be not as fun to watch, you know, but like he shined no matter what it was and he was nice to up-and-coming comics and I only saw him perform one time. He was a lawyer, right? When he decided he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore because of the way things were and the way he was seeing everything. He was like, I'd rather do this and he excelled at it immediately. Like to me, he was smart enough to do whatever he wanted. He wanted to be a comedian and also I'm sure... Law school is stressful. I'm sure all that stuff can lead to, you know, pills and alcohol and uh, that kind of stress relief, you know, self-medicating type deal. And and eventually I think that did hinder his, you know, his life essentially. And and that was really tragic because I don't think that was ever an intention of his. You know what I mean? I think it was kind of an under-control thing. And then just one day it just kind of wasn't.
0: Well, uh, so we – a while back we were – we had the – opportunity i think john you were um uh contacted by matt balliker yes who uh has decided that uh he's writing a book
1: well he or wrote a book yeah he never met Geraldo, but he loved his comedy started he goes well i'm gonna read whatever bio on him there is so he started looking for greg Geraldo books and when he realized there
0: wasn't one he thought huh maybe we should write a book about Greg Giraldo. <laughs> so he, he did it, and uh, it's it should be coming out soon. We <coughs> had the opportunity to uh, get him on the phone and uh, talk to him about uh, his journey in uh, getting this book made. And so why don't you guys take a listen to that, and uh, in the end we'll just come back real quick and uh, wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Hey, all right. We're on the phone with Matt. Hey, all
0: right there. Hey, <laughs> what do what we, have? radio show all of a sudden? Hey, all right. Wow. Hey, was hey, how are
1: you guys doing? Hey. Good. Uh, wait a second. I, I want to I wanna address Brian giving me the
0: business right there. Because right there was a hey, well, ho hey-ho. I got a
1: little excited, right. but.
0: Why well, can someone answer the phone are instead, you, of, instead of letting it go to voicemail yeah. and texting? <laughs> exactly. What do, text what do you want? Can we just have a text conversation? You leave a message,
1: <laughs> like a very detailed message. They, they text you back, what do what you want? What do you want? want. <laughs> um, but I just felt I was trying to I was trying to be you know, you get all the radio credit, dude. You talk about how you're in radio, you do radio, and I was just trying to be a little bit more radio like and I thought that might
0: be taking it, it back to WKRP and it was. Um, yeah, I take it back to the fictional place I never worked at. Yes. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> <all right. laughs> uh, we ball are on the game. phone with Matt Balaker. But ball game. It's been how, a long how time how since you? I've seen you, but I, I'm trying to figure out like who are you now? Are you are you are you back to Balaker? Are you still the ball game? Like where where where's I, it going? I here?
2: I, go, I go back and forth. Uh, but when I'm when I'm, you know, cleaning piss off the toilet seat, I, I prefer balakers. Yeah, your too. pops <laughs> make, make my make my parents proud Yeah.
1: to you, be to for our listeners that might not know me and Brian know you through doing stand up in Los Angeles. Uh, you are all over the place and you ran a show at Red Rocks. Yeah. Red yeah, Rock. Uh, uh, Red Rock. Rock
2: it's, it's singular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, now it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's called Soho like,
1: House or something like that. Right. But yeah, that was
2: and it.
0: That, Go ahead.
2: And now now I'm in Orange County, so I'm not too far, but it's uh it's different. I have a couple kids now and couple still kids. doing yeah, yeah.
0: Knock it off.
1: You're still doing stand up though, right? I am. Nice. Yeah. In
2: fact, uh Bray Improv April thirteenth to fifteenth with Christina Pazitsky. Wow. Hey, there you if, go. If anyone's Ooh. out there you know. Awesome. If
0: anyone's out there. <laughs> no, Bray You mean in the universe? <laughs> no, or? he means in Braya.
1: <laughs> he means in Braya.
2: Oh, oh okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, no, Bray is great, man. That, and she, she'll, they pack them in out there They'll, That'll be a fun, those
0: will be fun shows. Obviously we'll get, I want to get to the, the book that you're writing on in a sec, but, but one of the interesting things that I, if we have just a quick sec, I'd like to get your take on, sure. um, for those that are not familiar with standup in Los Angeles, a lot of some of the best shows and, and most successful shows are never at clubs. And, and especially back when you were doing it. Uh, it was kind of a hot spot. And um, did you just kind of stumble upon that, decide, oh, like, I'm going to do this? And, and it just kind of happened that way. Or did you kind of pick up on, like, this is the way to do it versus running a show inside of an actual club?
2: Uh, a little bit the, the latter. Because I also lived on Larrabee, which was like not even five minutes from Red Rock. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to not have to deal with parking. Oh, and uh, yeah. I, I'd spend enough money at Red Rock uh, anyway. I thought it would be a <laughs> fun place to. Pre kids. Pre kids. Yeah. Uh, do a show but also i mean as as you guys know it's so hard to even get like six seven minutes and especially if you want to work out material it really sucks yeah so it was kind of um you know the model of uh, well tired of asking for stage time i gotta create my
0: my own own. yeah yeah that's true and, look, you, I mean, for the rest of your life, you'd be like, I had a show on the Sunset Strip, man.
2: That, that's my apex right there. That I was it. Show. And, <laughs> and since Twice then, all downhill.
0: Well, he had kids. So <laughs> exactly. as, as a fellow <laughs> <laughs> breeder, I understand. I understand the conflicts and the need. But, but, but in the meantime, and this is something that's interesting. So you, you've been talking about this for many, many years now and it's this book that you've been working on about uh uh greg giraldo who unfortunately passed a few years ago can you give us a little bit of the background of what your relationship to greg was and what your desire i did first off and i i know you were talking about writing a book but i didn't realize you were a writer and like how did this all come about sure
2: well i yeah I, my background is i i did not know greg okay. at all. i mean i met i met him twice once at the melrose improv and once at the Irvine Improv. A, you know within a, a few years apart but i was a big uh, fan of tough crowd with colin quinn do you guys remember yeah that, that was and a like great the... show
1: man i love that show
2: so that was kind of what introduced me to him i mean actually that's
1: what i think introduced the the general public if you didn't know him from the from doing stand-up you that was the first place you saw him on tv i think
2: yeah i mean he was really in his element because it was kind of impromptu i mean it was current events based but a lot of his i think funniest material was was reacting to others uh, but i just i really just dug his stuff in fact i remember seeing him on conan once when i when I interned there and i, I he just was really sharp with his material he, he, was, he was really like exacting and he had this backstory about being a harvard lawyer and he never really talked about it so it was one of those things as i started doing stand-up i would periodically go to his website and there was almost nothing there other than a few tour dates so maybe it was that unknown but he was just kind of a, a fascinating dude yeah um, and and also someone you know i'm sure a lot of people looked up to um, uh, because he, he had a good he, he left a stable job to do stand-up and he, and he seemed to have all his stuff together and he was and he, then,
1: and he was dominant when he did stand-up like he didn't just leave a job and go i want to be a comedian like <laughs> he left a job that was like Most people would kill for because they'd be they would literally be rich for the rest of their lives if they had that job and they were able to live past the age of 65 or whatever. They'd be rich forever. So absolutely. So then he leaves that and then he doesn't just go and do some shitty open mics. He goes and literally kicks ass and becomes one of the top tier stand ups of the, you know, the new millennium. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's it's kind of hard to say, like, who's a better stand-up, you know, someone or someone else, but, like, I think objectively, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, he's in the top four, and, and, and how I would categorize that, like, he could take a room full of people who had no idea who he was from different backgrounds, yeah, and most of them would just, like just start bawling out of laughter. I mean, he could yeah. entertain the hell out of them.
1: Yeah. And I I like what you just said with, they wouldn't even have to know who he was. Like, he's not a guy who relied on like, Oh, here comes Greg Giraldo. We better all watch and, and laugh right, because right. he's a, he's a famous comedian. It's always like he didn't give a shit what you thought about him going in. He was going to make you laugh about, and when you say he was, he, uh, some of the best stuff was reactionary. It was like, yeah, because he was so smart because he was, he had that education. He, he, he had the knowledge. Like that's why he was great on tough crowd. Some guys would go mm-hmm. on there and they didn't know shit. He was actually oh. an intelligent guy. He, he
2: was he was prepared. He he was as you said intelligent, but not just someone who wanted to say really big words to kind of no. stroke his own no. ego. That that it was like, you know when you're naturally that smart like you guys, you know, you, you don't have to try as
0: much. <laughs> well, I have to try really hard ball game, but thank you for lumping me in with other people but as
1: smart as he was you're right he never makes the crowd feel dumb for not knowing what he's talking about he never made people feel inferior it was always like he he was just he would he was explain things they would be like yeah you know what i understood that and they'd get behind it
2: and 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 that's i mean you've probably all had teachers who who want to talk about a subject to make themselves feel better about it and and i think um the one thing that came across when i did a lot of research is he never really talked down to people, and, and and when you were at his shows, it felt that way too. It was like yeah, you you were in on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. He it wasn't you. It wasn't him against you or, or you know what I mean. It was like he was. It was all of you together in a room. Like I, I only saw him one time, uh, and I I got to go down. It was in New York, and I walked down to the Comedy Cellar, and oh, it was nice. it was packed, and I could, I'd never been downstairs before into the showroom, and I I could I could remember being able to squeeze my head around and just barely get my neck out so I could see the stage. And he was the one on stage. And he was, again, he was dominating. He was, it was the room, it was hot and crowded as shit. And everybody was crying, laughing. It was so funny. And afterwards, he came to get his bag. And I was like, dude, that was really good. He goes, oh, thanks, man. And that was, (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, dude, like really good. Like, but how do you, but for a guy like that, in my head, I was like, well, of course, he does this well all the time. So for <laughs> him to walk off stage and some idiots go, "Dude, you're really good. You should think about doing this some more." Like he's like, "Yeah, thanks. I got it." Uh, you know. It was just really funny.
2: Well, that, that I mean that that brings up an interesting point cuz he seemed super cool to people. Like I, I met him at when I met him at Breya. I said it was very fanboyish, but I said, "You know, I think you're the the best who does this." And he he was sincere, but he's like, "Oh, thank you." And that was kind of it. And then when I did more research, he was like probably every other comedian on the planet hyper insecure oh and, yeah. and it's it's like I mean you know it but it still seems strange when someone who's like literally the best is, yes. is- is that insecure. Now, like, okay,
0: well. Matt, just to be clear, when you said you were a fanboy, you uh, um, you didn't cosplay him, did yeah, you? Yeah, he was you? dressed as Greg Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, no, no, no. Great, great set tonight, <laughs> yeah.
1: man. Great set. Um, he, he goes on stage. You're just regular Matt. He comes off stage. You're dressed just <laughs> like him. Like, hey, I want to talk whoa. to you about comedy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, I'm gonna,
1: okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you want to
2: do my show on a Sunset Strip?
1: <laughs> hey, you like L.A.? Sunset <laughs> <Yeah>. Strip, huh? <laughs> Then he calls it Red Rocks and you fire him and you never let him yeah, try. Right. You're, like, Don't You're done. It, oh, yeah, exactly. How dare you win <laughs> It'll be you
2: and Jason Galar. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Galar. I love Jason.
0: He's brilliant. Jason is funny. At what point did you say, uh, I want to do this book? Like, where, where was the turning point for you that really we're like, I'm going, because it's not easy work to, to do a no, book no, in the first it was, place.
2: I, I know it was uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. I'd moved uh, back to Southern California. My wife was, pregnant with our second son i had to start doing more like regular work and i wanted to um read about comedians and actually i wanted to read about him so i was on amazon and uh nothing came up like no no, no dedicated book and i just thought it was kind of like huh like that's strange uh and so that was sort of my my muse or my moment where i was like you know maybe i should do this
0: and to be clear uh, for those who are not fully familiar he passed away oh um, yeah and
2: uh, in, in 2010. In 2010, um, I believe. Uh, September 29th, I believe 2010.
0: An accidental overdose. Yeah. Okay.
2: Of uh,
0: Oxycontin. Okay. Um, and so a couple years go by, obviously, and, and you and that's when you you looked it up. You're like, well, clearly there's got to be some more, and there's nothing there. And so, but it's still, okay, you find out that there's but nothing wait, there. But wait,
1: wait, way to be way to be way smarter than me. What do you mean? I mean, I would f- go to research and find out nothing was there, and then I would walk around going, do you believe this fucking shit? <laughs> There's not a goddamn book on Greg Drell, on Amazon. What the fuck is wrong with people? You
0: would take it as far as <laughs> complaining I about would, it all the I time? I would
1: take it as far as yelling at someone else who would go, you know what, maybe I should write a book, and
0: then walk away and make a million dollars. But isn't there well, the other part of it is the fact that, you know, uh, playing off the fanboy part of it is part of you thinking, all right, am I just crazy of even bothering doing this? Is it? Is it? Am, or am I just doing What's it for myself? What's the interest level? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely, because as as big of a deal as he was, you know, within the kind of comedy geek community, he, he wasn't like Robin Williams or Chris Rock. But, it
1: dude, also I have friends in ago. Illinois who don't know who Lenny Bruce is.
0: Okay. Well, well yeah, and, and did, fair enough, yeah. and if I'm not mistaken, right before he passed, he did peak because I think he was on NBC's last comic standing as a judge, <laughs> correct? Correct. Now, when like, I, I say peaked, meaning, like, the average person that probably doesn't even see stand up and knows nothing would, about stand up would have known him at that point. Would have point. known him solely for being on yeah, prime time television. Standing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I'm or, sure or, he I mean, he was
2: on the
1: roast more.
2: Thing.
0: Yeah, the, he. Yeah.
1: By the time exactly, by the time he, by the time in 2010 rolled around, he had done those roasts, and that's what made him. I mean, the the Colin Quinn show gave gave him access to the general public, and yeah. then those roasts made him. I mean, he was the king of those things. Yeah, that's true. He was literally, yeah. he was he was the one of the only good like i'm not a huge fan of a lot of what comedy central did with the roast but he was a uh-huh. he was a shining star and i'll say it's all it always and what i mean by that is it's always better like the james franco one was amazing Because all those people are friends with James Franco. Right, right. It's funny. Old school. It's funny when they actually know each other and they're funny, and you're getting a glimpse into them just busting balls, and you're getting a glimpse of them their real personalities. That's funny to me. When Chevy Chase is up there and people and and Geraldo's (laughs) like Geraldo in that one, he was like, "Dude, I don't even know you. I don't even know what I'm doing here." You saw like it was basically just like when it's just shit on a guy. I'm like, eh, eh. But when it's like, right. But he was the king of those things. He was the king of those things, and because of that, he was definitely a household in the, in more than just the comedy geek community. He had grown past that at that point.
2: So that's a good point, and and especially about the the roast, like the the Chevy Chase one was was produced by a different company ah. that did the ones after. But that's kind of what alerted uh, Joel Gallen, who who produced the Comedy Central ones, ah. to Greg Giraldo. Ah. Uh, and also the, here, here's a little bit of inside info that he and Chevy Chase never met and i don't th- i don't know if any of the other uh, roasters met during that show so there was really like no camaraderie going no that's into what it. i'm it saying but you like can and you can see gun. that
1: it was like a guy who just wasn't liked by his peers so no i mean <laughs> that dude was on the original cast of SNL and Al Franken and uh uh like um Franken got better things Lorraine to do Newman games. Lorraine Newman were the only two that showed up those right. were the Dan only Aykroyd t- wasn't there. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, Garrett Morris. Yeah. There was like there were people that could have been there that were like
2: ah,
0: sure. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah.
1: I mean you know what I mean. So like for him, for Geraldo to even get hired in on that, it's like he's gotta be like, Well, this is weird, but okay. Yeah.
2: But I mean it, it, it's a paid gig, you know, and so he he probably looked at it that way. But yeah, it's kind of funny that I mean, it's funny, but kind of wrong that that's why people know him like as, as, a, as a roast comedian. And that's, that's a big theme of the book is he's really, I mean, yeah, he kicked ass at that and you should see him, and they're great, but. It's it's not who he was. In fact,
1: his and, yeah, his set wasn't that if you went and saw him in a club, he wasn't just roasting people. So let's take
0: it. Right. So let me ask you a question in respects to your book. So you, you decided to do this. But like, what was your agenda ultimately? Other than just you were fascinated with the guy like where where does this where where is this leading like for you?
2: Sure. Well, I think selfishly, it was just a, like a creative project to work on. You know, mm-hmm. something to kind of that I had control over. But Secondly, it was it was to preserve his legacy. It just seemed like wrong mm-hmm. that someone. I mean, how many books have there been about Kurt Cobain or, or you know trying to like um you know if, if he was a musician there would have been movies probably right. and it just seemed like inappropriate that no one did this and, and so yeah I mean I hope it, it does super well. You know? And how but far into this was, do
0: you get? Do you get into this, Matt? Like, are you? D- did you have? Did you reach out to their family at all? His family, I'm yeah, sorry. And yeah, what is that, that? By the way, and what is that like? Because that's a foreign territory for you, right?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to family members before, but rarely of you know dead celebrities. Of
0: somebody that you're yeah. actually because right. I, 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 can you just take me through that for a second? Are they initially on defense because they don't know you and they're curious as to what your agenda is, even though yeah. you're telling I mean, them what the agenda is? Yeah, and that's a great question. And honestly, I didn't
2: really know what the agenda was other than right. I want to write a book that celebrates him. You know, there, there's a lot of ways of doing that.
0: But don't people get fearful him. like, yeah, but what if you find out something and you decide you want to take this book in a different direction? Do you get any of that from them oh, or God, they don't yeah. say anything? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll take a step back to kind of say like how it started. And, mm-hmm. and that's a, a very real concern uh, and, and still is something I, I'm sensitive to because especially if someone helps out, the last thing I want to do is, is, is make them regret it. Right. Uh, so I, I knew uh, uh, Jesse Joyce a little bit, who opened for Greg Giraldo for several years. And then I knew um, – I heard of his, his friend and manager, Rick Dorfman, but I didn't know him. <laughs> and then through the power of Facebook, I knew Kareth Foster, who a, is a friend of mine who performed at Red Rock a lot, uh, knew, was was close to Rick Dorfman. So I asked her to introduce me to Rick. And that was kind of the first domino. And he was awesome, but very reluctant. You know, I mean, he took a couple emails. Was like kind of like, what's, you know, I don't know if I do, blah blah blah. You know, and, and I just tried to like kind of assuage his fears. Like, you know, I'm I'm not someone, you know, I'm not Kitty Kelly. I'm not, not right. trying to you, smear his. You know, I I wouldn't go through this effort to like shit on someone. Right. You know, like, what,
1: you're you're you were appalled by the lack of information about him out there, and you felt like. People need to know more about this guy. This is a this is someone you can learn from, and you can, I mean, comedians especially should should hear what this guy was all about. You know?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and so it was like like you and, and Brian were saying, yeah, there was reluctance, and then when um, Rick agreed to talk, it was I think very cathartic because he he just kind of kept talking, uh, went on and about how the you know the Montreal Comedy Festival, how that led to uh, the show Common Law, and and and, and then also. You know, information about his last days, and so like any any time you do a, a research project, there's going to be stuff that's off the record, and I, obviously I want to include that, and and there's also things I don't want to sensationalize, um, and so that, that that's a tough balancing act, but but you know it's 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 worthwhile. And then after I'm um, chatting with Rick Dorfman, uh, he put me in touch with Mary Ann, who was uh, Greg's wife and, and the uh, the mother of his kids. Uh, and that she was she was like um, fantastic and and she was so honest and open and that was that was super eye-opening because I was kind of nervous talking to her I mean she was very sweet but it's like she's you know she's not a celebrity uh, I'm I'm sure there's tons of uh, mixed emotions you know especially when you're married to someone who has you know addiction issues yeah there's got to be and, it's
1: a mix of sadness and anger and
2: yeah, and, and, and it was pu- it was public knowledge that they were separated um, prior to his death. So right. I mean, there there's all that, but it, Rick and then uh, Marianne really helped open the doors to others, and then and then also on my own, I would just call and email and and reach out to celebrities. But getting through the, like the family members and his close friends, uh, there is a lot of reluctance on some of their parts. But I think once they started talking and they they kind of realized that, you know, I. I'm funding this myself and it's, it's, you know, uh, not something I'm, I'm doing to, um, to harm anyone, I, right. you know, but, but I, I, you know, I understand their point of view. I just, you know, it, it's a, it's a celebration of, of what he did. Yeah.
1: I, I just think even on a, on a, a, such a smaller scale, like if like Brian weren't around anymore and you were like, Hey, would you tell me all about Brian's life? And I was like, dude, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's really my business to be talking about other people's lives, <laughs> you know? So it's, I can see right, where the right. reluctance is, is like, yeah, if they were friends with him, especially, it's like all of a sudden then their name is in a book saying that they had an argument with him one time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, who knows,
0: you know? Sure. Well, it's like all the Bill Hicks stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You yes. know, the family was not pleased with many of the books that came out, you know, and the family was reluctant to share a lot of information about Bill and his private life and stuff like that because they wanted to maintain a certain level of, of his, you know, of his legacy and chose not to share a lot of stuff because they knew – you know, similar. Bill had you know struggle with addictions and stuff like that, and they just didn't want th- they didn't want it to live in that world. Mm-hmm. Like that would be the right. only focus. Would be it's easy for us to be focused on all the negative stuff. Like you said, you go into it to celebrate. And then you get some information and you know, a lot of people like they feel like they've seen the old movies where the news people, it's like go where the story leads you. And next thing you know. Oh,
1: well, I'm a journalist. No, you're That's not, right. dude. You're a comedian yeah. writing a book.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now when you were talking to him, you were not wearing a hat that said press in it. Right? It had I mean, the I word scoop know. in it. Yeah, scoop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but,
2: but but even within that, I mean there there's certain friends who are like, You've gotta say this, and there are certain people who are like, No, don't say that. Interesting. I mean, so that, how do you like, balance that? I don't know. <laughs> you know I mean, yeah, I I, I think the, the the way I do it is is there a handful of those who are really close, and I I um kind of you know before it all goes out, kind of getting their blessing. And I, I know there's probably going to be some that that don't see it, but you know you can't please everyone. And I mean if if you kind of look at the summary and if you go to um, book.com shameless plug. No, you'll, no, you'll yeah, hopefully please. You'll see that it's it's a celebration of him. So I, I think like if you read the whole thing, you can't come off with anything other than, well, wow, this is, you know, he was an amazing comic who had an interesting story. Right. And it's, it's not going to be some smear campaign. And, and also because he had, I mean, we all know people who are alcoholics or drug, you know, have, have addiction issues. It's part of it is, is it's not the main reason I'm doing it, but it, it's to maybe lift some of the stigma off, you know, like if yeah. he would have died from, from cancer, it would have been totally different, right. but, He'd be but, a but hero. maybe, maybe yeah. it shouldn't be, you know, right. Maybe like, it's a brain issue and yeah the toast is ready
1: so. yeah no sorry that's just the phone <laughs> um yeah no that that's uh that's a really good point um uh yeah and and you, i you know and you don't want people to just how, how what did you read this is my question did you read any other books on comics to like kind of get a sense of like cuz there's and i only asked this because i i read the SNL book and the Chris Farley uh-huh. show book and those were written uh, interview format like uh, paragraphs. Like Chris Rock would say something, and then so and so would say something, and then so. And I really, I that read well to me. I really enjoyed it. It was. Uh, so it was are you telling I, him I, how to write his book? No, I'm no, asking. No, that, I'm asking. I, that's I'm kind asking.
2: of that's kind of true because I I read the Chris Farley book. I, I didn't read all of the SNL book, but this I read the like um, the uh, gosh, I really the uh, when late night was king. Mm-hmm. Um, and the war for late night. The um, I'm blanking on the author's name. I know his son, but. Um, anyhow, th- those those were really kind of inspirational, and this isn't a total oral history, but it, it's kind of like that, John. Where yeah, there'll be there'll be blocks of quotes from Gaffigan or Colin Quinn or you know his, his wife or you know people who knew him well. In fact, right now I'm trying to tone that down a little bit because some of the notes I got initially was it was just like too many quotes. Uh, so I, I got to paraphrase some of them, but I know I, I like that aspect of it. That way, it's more like. It's not so much me telling the story. It's letting the people who knew him right. tell the story.
0: Anything in your journey so far that you were like, wow, like stuff that like the gem for you as a fanboy?
2: Uh,
0: if you will. I'm, I don't even yeah. keep calling you a fanboy, but you know what I'm yeah, saying. No, like someone, I'm, I'm, someone that's I'm a, re,
2: I'm a, re, I'm a reformed fanboy, reformed yes. fanboy.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like when you're going into this, you're like, I, like you said, I don't know that much about the guy. I know that I appreciate him and there should be he, his story should be out there. But as you were doing this journey of, of, of compiling information and writing this book, were there, was there stuff where you're like either, huh, this is amazing. I, I'm so glad that I did that. I, I found this out. Or is it or or on top of that, are you like, man? I am so glad I am doing this book because it's far exceeded my expectations of what I was getting into this for. Yes,
2: yeah, so, sort of sort of both. I, I mean, one surprise in a good way was how helpful he was to people who couldn't really help him, uh, specifically in comedy. Mm-hmm. But also, he did a charity event for um, this woman who, gosh, uh, forget her name, but she, she does uh, – she raises money for cancer patients and he did this event where it was for for like terminally ill cancer patients and again he didn't know if he got any money for it and he didn't get any publicity this woman reached out to me when she heard i was writing the book and we we're going to have a little paragraph in the book where when she talks about what he did and and then after that there was a guy who um, a young a much younger guy who was in recovery and greg giraldo performed at uh, their recovery meeting and now he's sober and i'm not going to say oh because he performed he's now sober but it, it left like such a positive impression on him that i mean i never would have known any of this if, if you just think he's like oh the the roast comic and then then on the flip side it was kind of eye-opening just like how how um you know how, how long his addiction was with them you kind of think because oh he said he's sober on conan in 95 that that means he's sober, but I've really learned that like, <laughs> yeah, it's not how know, it works. When, when people have that, it, it, it just, I mean, I, like I'm thinking of like Lamar Odom right now. Like he he said, I just read an article last week where he's like, you know, I, I did cocaine and all this and you know, but I, I went to rehab and now I'm sober. It's like, it's, it's with you forever. And, and I don't think I had a real appreciation for that. And, and I don't think I had an appreciation for the impact it puts on people's friends and family. Cause I mean, we all have, I mean, especially in LA, we all know someone who's an addict, but when you're like living with them and, and they're like one of your best friends, it puts a toll on you that yeah, it, I, it, I, I, di- <clears throat> I don't think I really understood before I did this. Yeah. it, 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 it and, dist- and that's not going to be the focus, but that, that was just like a shock to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it can't, like you said, don't make it the focus, but it's got to be, it has to be talked about. I mean, it, like you said, this is a guy who went out uh, every night, night after night and made room full of strangers from different backgrounds with different beliefs laugh and he did this all the time and you would think like at a distance if you have no, like nothing to do with the entertainment industry and you're a way way outsider you look at that like uh, what well guy's got the greatest life he must be happy as hell everything must yeah. be perfect and, <laughs> and 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 then you you kind of move the microscope to a higher lens and you're looking at you know what we look at and you're like oh yeah okay i can see that <laughs>
2: right i mean it's kind of therapeutic in a way to say like you know no no one really ever has it all or or no one's probably as as downtrodden as as you think but you never you never know what's in someone's head right and and that and and even though he might have been insecure and not had the best self-esteem he he had such a positive impact on, on his family and other comedians i mean that was like the constant theme like so many of his like close friends were just like Take the comedy out of the equation. He was like a very caring, sensitive, nurturing person. Like, like for example, I I talked, to, uh, or I should say, our co-author Wayne Jones, who's great. He he talked to this woman who was with Greg during the open mic days, and he would like to, um, drive drive a lot of the open micers around to shows and. He would take a lot of the girls with him, and was never like sleazy and lecherous and like trying to hit on them. But like, would,
1: like like a million comics are.
2: <laughs> exactly. Right, right, and, and I mean, I'm not saying he should be canonized because of that. No, right, but right. It, it, it's just kind of a, a nice thing that, you know, in, in a, in an industry where where there's a lot of sleazeballs, he really treated people well. And it's kind of, on one end, like beautiful that he could treat other people so well, but it's, it's also. Disheartening that he couldn't treat himself as well as he would treat others.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, do so. All right. So on where a are hi, we, on a high note, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was going to say. I didn't want to
2: get too. Sober. No, no, yeah. no. But no, this but is the this, this is the journey, right? This is this part is, of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: This is the. Ju- there there is no such thing, and you know this, Matt, because you have a family now, and John will eventually know this when he starts having his kids on accident. That <laughs> there is no there is no utopia. There is no perfect life and and right. it's and it's funny when you have kids you realize how imperfect life is almost immediately the minute a baby's brought into your life right like you're just like right. oh my god every day is a new is disaster a, it's, it's, just, it's, 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 it's more it's, caked on urine it's controlled yeah, chaos it's, life is controlled chaos point, yeah. you know and it's just and that's the thing it's like this is this is life that you know on one part of it which we would call our photographic life we paint this beautiful picture that we post on facebook but all of us mm-hmm. have underneath that beautiful Storyline that we that we create for ourselves. Every family's got a, and every person's got these imperfections, and it's just that's just reality. And pretend right. to pretend that it's not there is even more harmful, quite frankly.
2: No, that and you got to unearth some of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but, and, but like you said, and you can do all that, and then and 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 and, and, and celebrate. Yeah, life.
2: And, and 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 the part of the celebration is, I mean, you guys have been comedy for a while, and like, <laughs> you you know, like. One thing that gets me is when people say, oh, like, he didn't make it. It's like he achieved more than literally like 99.9% of comedians out there. I mean, yeah, had, people He who had say development that. deals. He had specials. He it didn't could make a million do like, dollars a year. Like, and didn't he, he do he, a million
1: sitcom Like, didn't he do pilots, like, after pilot after pilot? Didn't he do like nine pilots that didn't
2: go? Yeah, and he had several development deals. And yeah, he, yeah, he had a show years into doing comedy. I mean, it, it, it failed, but actually, it was on the air. and. How, how many comedians can say that? So, I mean, on, on one hand, it's like maybe relative to his talent, he, he he didn't achieve the milestones that some would put on him. But I think irrespective of that, it, he he's he achieved so much and, and not even so much, like literally more than all but a handful of comedians. Yeah, literally. And, yeah. And, and you, so you it's can like, count
1: on on one hand. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He, he doesn't have to apologize for that and I, and I want his like kids and his family and, and like comedians and future generations to not be like oh what if it's like no, no i mean fuck that like he on his own he achieved a lot and yeah, yeah. he could have done more but like so what
1: yeah i always think when i see people because <clears throat> netflix uh, you know people pump out specials now and
2: <laughs> <laughs> right
1: and that's that's great i mean make make your money i get it but i just i like i always think about what if greg Giraldo was still around you know what if mitch hedberg were still around like how great with like Geraldo could have he could have done like what Carlin did. he could have had like eighteen HBO specials all an hour, hour and a half long, and all poignant and and meaningful at the time. you know what I mean like he could have been right so it's it's definitely sad that that we didn't get an, as much of him as we wanted, but at the same time, um, pretty fantastic that uh, that he was even able to do what he did.
0: So where well said, yeah. so where so where are you at right now with the book and and uh, um, what's what's the future hold what 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 can you plug where can what what you know let's let's do it sure we're
2: we're, we're going through edits uh, and and so we're, we're we have probably more content than <laughs> well we definitely have more than we'll be able to mm-hmm. put in but we, we want to refine it and edit it and uh, we we expect to have it out later this year okay uh, but for for updates. Uh, on Twitter, it's Greg Giraldo Book at Greg Giraldo Book. And then the website is GregGiraldoBook.com. And Wayne Jones, who's the co-author, and I will, will give regular updates on that. Uh, and, and for those of you out there, uh, we're, we're looking to publicize it. So uh, if, if you have platforms or ideas or suggestions on how we can get the word out, uh, please hit me up on either Twitter or the website, and uh, we'll
0: try to make it happen. Awesome, dude. Thank you for sharing the story with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. And, thank uh, you and, uh, I- and thanks for writing
1: the book man because that again is
2: something that that's a book i'd want to read <laughs> well I, I, i'd love to be on your show again when it comes out Absolutely, so I, I hope to talk about it then for so. sure thanks guys for sure thanks a lot man take
1: care you too Bye.
0: All right, so uh, I just want to uh, thanks uh, to Matt Balacher for uh, sharing that story and, and for and for doing
1: the going through it and writing a book. It's yeah. not easy, and he had to get, go through a lot of channels, to talk a to a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I might, but it'll be a kid's book that no one will ever publish. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's just, it's impressive, and uh, you can look for it. You can follow him, uh, follow the book online at Greg Giraldo Book G R E G G I R A L D O Book. So you can follow him on Twitter. And uh, they have updates and when it's coming out. And, um, I you know, people, I think, want to read this. And I think it'll be an important book. And I think it'll be an interesting book. And I think, uh, well, I'm glad he's writing it because I'm curious. so As am I. Yeah. So thanks for listening. I hope that uh, was a good insight to some stand up comedy, uh, no matter how dark. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>